we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. How are you, Willow? I am okay. Yeah? Yes. Just okay. That's my honest yes. answer. Sometimes I'm like, I'm good, but you know what? I'm not always, I Actually, I'm pretty good. Yeah. When I think about it, life is good. I don't know if I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> if I could look at life mm, with old eyes, it'd be good. Yeah. I'm, I'm approaching my post-paranoia phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've become yeah. so paranoid that I've broken through. Yeah. And now everything just has a dull sheen. Right. But but you'll break through in like a month. And yeah. Everything yeah, yeah. will be rainbows. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll all everything, make sense. Everything, everything, Briefly. Things will be good and it'll all make sense. Briefly. I hope not because I think that means you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing will ever make sense. This certainly doesn't. No. Today we're talking about the nine. A mm-hmm. channeled entity or group of channeled entities However you prefer. Not the nine. Not the German nine. Nine nine. Yeah. And not Herman Cain's nine 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 plan. No. No. The nine is a group or a collective consciousness or one channeled entity that happened to be the channeled entity channeled by the rich and famous. Yeah. In the 1950s. And intelligence connected and connected to all the structures of power starting. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird. It's weird. It's weird. And. But, you know. but not only were they there in the 1950s, supposedly, according to the tale as it's told by certain parties, those nine have been around a long time, a very long time, a long time. And there, it's more there's more to it than just the the channeled entity that the rich people that the upper class got to see, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's fucking weird. And like, I'm I'm kicking myself for ever saying during our remote viewing series that I I enjoyed being in this world. <laughs> You've been in, it's too long now. I enjoyed being in that world. Yeah. Fun times at the Monroe Institute and military men being goofballs and psychic powers and Ingo Swan. That's fun. Yeah. I hate this world. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, there's a oily sheen of ugliness. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to get it out. This is going to be a strange episode because... Well, it's this episode is really hard to write because realistically, it's a lot of information. Like this is a this topic could be a series that never ends. Yeah, there are an infinite amount of connections. It's connected to everything, but I've tried to condense it into an episode, an episode. But we are going to do more episodes later on that come back to this core story. Yeah, because there's connections here. Yeah. We should get right into it. Let's but get into it. Before we do, huh? Let's do our tarot pull. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> you fuckers. Yeah, what we got? What we got? Nine of Wands. Okay. Strength. I fucking knew it. The whole time going through my head, it's like, it's going to be a nine. Yeah. Nine of Wands. Wizards. It's the nine. I fucking hate it. Yeah. I'm so pissed. You did it. 
<sighs> okay. You pulled a nine. Good job. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. Now let's get into it. Wow. That music was inspiring. It was good. I'm glad. All right. Glen Cove, Maine, 1952. Mysterious Dr. D.G. Vinod from Pune, India, sits in a chair with his eyes closed. Sitting across from him is a youngish man in a suit. It's a farmhouse converted to house all sorts of scientific equipment. Electrodes, oscilloscopes, a Faraday cage. The light is low, and Dr. Vinod begins to speak. The voice is not his own. M calling. We are nine principles and forces, personalities, if you will, working in complete mutual implication. We are forces, and the nature of our work is to accentuate the positive, the evolutional, and the teleological aspects of existence. By teleology, I do not mean the teleology of human derivation and a multidimensional concept of existence. Teleology will be understood in terms of a different ontology. Fuck. Okay. Sorry to interject. No, that's fine. But I was going to ask what teleology meant. And then the next sentence was, by teleology, I do not mean blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get an so explanation. Is, no. And then I didn't get an no, explanation. No, you didn't. Teleology, teleology, the explanation of phenomena in terms of the purpose they serve rather than the cause by which they arise. All right. Yes. That's actually... I understand. Quite relevant. I, or, ad- I or understand. Or germane, as you might say. Uh-huh. In terms of the purpose they serve rather than the cause. All right, fair enough. Okay. To be simple, we accentuate certain directions as will fulfill the destiny of creation. We propose to work with you in some essential respects with the relation of contradiction and contrariety. We shall negate and revise part of your work, by which I mean the work as presented by you. The point is that we want to begin altogether at a different dimension though it is true that your work has itself led up to this. I deeply appreciate your dedicatedness to the great cause of peace, which is fulfillment of infinitesimal existence. Peace is not warlessness. Peace is the integral fruitage of personality. Good Lord. We have designed to utilize you and thus to fulfill you. Peace is a process and will be revealed only progressively. You have it in plenty. I mean the patience that is so deeply needed in this magnificent adventure. But today, at the moment of our advent, the most eventful and spectacular phase of your work begins. A bit wordy there. And then the director of this seance, meeting, council, whatever the hell this is, replies to the voice speaking through Dr. Vinod. He's a doctor himself, and a parapsychological researcher named Andrea Puhark. Puhark says, it is helpful to have your guidance. Was that the first introduction? Yeah. The nine? Yeah. Oh. Okay. 
hell of an opening statement. It really is. I'd be like, can you explain that as if I was five years old? That's why you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you could just like, I get what you mean, but you could have just said it. So the, the integral fruitage of personality. So basically we've come to help you figure out the meaning of your existence. Yeah. The meaning of your existence is peace, but that doesn't mean life without war. Yeah. Peace is basically your true will, the fruitage of your personality. And a great adventure starts today and we're going to help you along. Not just you, but the whole, the whole game civilization. But let's back up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was putting together this episode, it became very clear very quickly that I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Initially, this was going to be an episode titled Andrea Puharch and the Nine. That would not fit into one episode. In order to actually cover Andrea Puharich, it will have to be a series. And I would have to read no less than three more books to do that series. That'll make it six books so far to cover this fucking maniac. Yeah, I can't do that to you right now. No. <laughs> you need a break please, right no. now. <laughs> it's too much. And it would have been one of those series where getting into the weeds on the nine wouldn't fit. You yeah. know, it'd be too much of a diversion. Right. The nine, it can, it can be told separately yeah. without getting into too much. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's the main character in this. But yeah. Then there'll be a, you know, we'll examine right. him later on. So to hell with it. I, I've been so deep in the conspiracy theory shit for a while now. And Peter Lavenda's Sinister Force is going to live rent free in my head for the rest oh, of I my know. fucking life. I know. Which also means we're never going to run out of material. No. <laughs> we never will. The universe is infinite. It provides. Yes. This week. We're doing the nine. At some point in the future, we'll do a big old series on Andre Puharch and Yuri Geller. But for now, the broad strokes. Another story about how hypnotists are a little <laughs> shady and you should suspicious. <laughs> Hypnotism, drugs, intelligence agencies. <sighs> Voila, spirituality. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Yep. We're still here. Yeah. We never left. Yep. So, Andrea Puharich was a parapsychological researcher, army doctor, and basically Schrodinger's spook. He's either a crazy fuck who got even crazier when he touched on the current of the spooky that flows through the world, like you do, or he's the puppet master behind a decades-long conspiracy involving using magic and technological mind control to build a new religion, a conspiracy that would make that filthy poutine-drenched Quebecois asshole rise from, his, rise from the dead just to shit himself and die again. Yeah. I forget his name. Serge... Whatever, the Bluebeam guy. Whatever, Project, Project Bluebeam guy. Blue guy. Filthy, yeah, yeah, filthy yeah. Canadian. Honestly, so either he's a crazy fuck or he's a puppet master. He's both. That's the next paragraph. In reality, <laughs> Andrea Buhart might be both at once. Yes! Yeah. Yes! And the story of the Nine and its weird connections to everything may well have been the dark heart of madness that did drive that fucking Canuck insane and have him write that Project Bluebeam shit. Very possible. Yeah. This might very well be the kernel of truth in the Project Bluebeam conspiracy about faking alien invasions. Or this might be real. Hmm? I don't know anything anymore. You know? <sighs> it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, what you need to understand about Puharich is that this dude was always around the weird intelligence projects. Right, so he's not just like a regular old dude. No, he's another one of these guys who is integral to all sorts of stories that you know about, but you've never heard of. Yeah. One of these fucking guys. He's the dude who first brought the idea of weaponizing the paranormal to the army in the 1940s. He was at Fort Detrick and Edgewood Arsenal when they were testing chemicals and drugs and weird technology on soldiers. Uh, right at like the start of, you know, MKUltra and the projects that came before yep, MKUltra. Yep. Puharch is the dude who discovered Yuri Geller in Israel. And he also... And hypnotized him. We'll get to that. Yeah. So we're definitely going to get to that. Uh, 
and he discovered this, like the psychoactive properties of Amanita muscaria mushrooms, not psilocybin, as I assumed at first on the last episode we talked about him. Mm-hmm. He was really interested in the possible effects Amanita muscaria mushrooms may have on enhancing psych- psychic abilities. Yeah, he even wrote a whole book. He sure did. It's called The Sacred Mushroom. He wrote a few books. Yes, he did. Yeah. The other one was Beyond Telepathy? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And he wrote Yuri, a biography of Yuri Geller and like memoir of the time they were together. Yeah. See, this is your episode, but I know a little bit. You do, time. which is sick. It's like, I, I, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this dude was also working on some strange pieces of technology that sound like they were out, like they're out of conspiracy theories because they are. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about that later on right like using beams to mind control people essentially yeah but we're we're talking about the specifics that's a sensationalized way of putting it it's a simple way of putting it But basically it is basically that though yeah beams and implants too Mm -hmm. yeah just basically what every schizophrenic fears (laughs) quite literally yeah like that's the and that's the thing and like oh he was also very interested in using hypnosis for all sorts of things that common knowledge says is impossible and common knowledge also says it also says is completely unethical. Right. And really fucked up. But we're going to do it anyway to see what happened. Yeah. But the thing is like looking at his early life and shit, he seems like he was a good dude. Yeah. I feel like his story is a story of corruption and fall from grace and madness. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he was like doing these he was doing these drugs. He was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. He was doing a lot and of fucking drugs. He thought that these drugs were like the portal to unlocking the secrets. And yeah. in some ways they could be. Yeah. You know, but um, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery, slippery slope. He also maintained, managed to do a lot of shit while he was on drugs and going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea Puharch was, to put it lightly, a complicated character. And from 1948 to 1959, he was at the head he was the head of the Roundtable Foundation, yes. a think tank of sorts for all sorts of people with connections, money, who wanted to change the world for the better as they saw it, and for the spookier as they saw it. And as we know, those two things don't always play nice. Yeah. And to understand just what went down in Glen Cove, Maine in 1952, which is a year that shows up all the fucking time. It is? Yes. Oh my God, the summer of 1952? 1952, New dude. Mexico? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it shows up all the time. I mean, Jack Parsons' death. It's a year that comes up again and again in weird paranormal cases that all seem to be tied back to this story. Wow. 1952 was the year America caught flying saucer fever. Mm. It was when a series of unidentified flying objects were reported in Washington, D.C. and later became known yeah. as the Washington, D.C. UFO. It's, I knew it was some. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I mean, not New Mexico. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's for certain. <laughs> but- we got to go back further than 1952. We do. Understand this. We got to go back in time, way, way back in time. And to a different location. Yes. To the banks of the Nile River. Some millennia ago, to Heliopolis, Egypt, seat of the gods themselves. City of the sun. Or at least one story about the gods. Yeah. See, Egypt didn't have just one mythology. Ancient Egyptian religion was like every culture's religion much more fluid than the basic understanding that we get taught in ever shifting schools. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, we should just stop doing that shit. Like just say they had mythology. And if you're interested, learn about it on your own. Right. Instead, you get 10 generations of people going, yeah, the Egyptians worshiped Ra and uh, Isis and Osiris. And the smart kids in class will like add Anubis. And if the education system totally fails the kid, they end up as a magician. They'll learn about Thoth too. Yeah. 
And those characters were all part of it, right? Right. But they're also part of a fluid system based largely largely around local cults, local yeah. religions, right? Right. And one of these, and to be sure, one of the most important was called the Great Ennead of Heliopolis. Mm-hmm. Ennead is a Greek word that means something similar to a group of nine. There's some people out there that are like, ooh, I know what Enneagrams are. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Great Ennead was a cosmology based around the great god of everything, Atum, or sometimes Atum Re, and also the same thing sometimes as Ra, and what are both his children and lesser aspects of himself. Yeah. Right. Some people will tell you that the name of the god of everything, Atom, is where we got the name for our atoms. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I wonder because it does, I think it is. I was like, makes a Greek, sense. A Greek. Word. Yeah. It makes sense, but it's also seems like it could be a red herring. Yep. So this is the creation myth according to the religion of the great Ennead at Heliopolis. From the eternal and infinite ocean of swirling emptiness called Nun, Atom created himself and then jerked off the rest of the universe into creation. <laughs> Forgot how graphic I had and how silly I wrote this. I'm not going to use the soundtrack because it doesn't fit. I thought I wrote it poetically. I think it fits perfectly. All right. And literally, the shit gets graphic in its description of Atom launching perfect parabolas of come out of his holy hog. <laughs> <laughs> and that's us. Yeah. The other aspects of Atom were the brother and sister Shu and Tefnet, representing the emergence of space from emptiness, who then banged each other and gave rise to the brother and sister Geb and Nut, representing the earth and sky, respectively. Then, yep, you guessed it, they banged and made four little inbred mutant gods. Osiris, god of fertility and regeneration. Isis, goddess of motherhood. Set, the god of chaos. And Nephthys, the goddess of protection. But they're all one. Like the Jesus shit, Father, Son, Holy shit bag. Yeah, the thing. Holy Trinity. Yeah, the Holy Trinity. That's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the name. One interesting thing about the Great Ennead is that there are all these different versions of the creation story, and they're all seen as true. They're all seen as as true as humanity could get, with actual truth being a combination of all the different versions of the story. Mm, okay. E Egyptian cosmology is really complex and really cool. Yeah. Um, so, gods, nine of them, right? Got it. Now, with all these other versions of Egyptian mythology running around, you know, at the same time as the Ennead, and also over the course of the thousands of years in very different dynasties that made up ancient Egypt, it's real wild that one of them got proven to be the big be-all, end-all thousands of years later in a farmhouse in fucking Glen Cove, Maine. Mm-hmm. Back to that farmhouse. Oh, wow. Okay, we're back. It's stinky. It does smell like shit in here. <laughs> <laughs> On New Year's Eve at 9 p.m., this Ooh. mysterious Mr. Bernard. I like the choice of that day. I do too. That's a, yeah. that's a good symbolic day. Yes. The mysterious Mr. Bernard started channeling the nine. But they don't say they're the Egyptian gods just yet. No, no. Not for a, another few decades. Yeah, they build their, their mythos slowly. Yeah. Take their time uh, developing the storyline. After that monologue we talked about earlier, the Nine then gave Puharich a fucked up math equation, which looks like hieroglyphics to me. Um, okay. So, like, you remember in our AI yeah. episode? Sure. 
with like the the thing that looks like hieroglyphics, but it's not. Shut the. And then the first edition Nikola Tesla and how Puharik was building on what he said was the work of Nikola Tesla. You shut the fuck up right now. And the key that opens up portals to different universes. I'm gonna need you to shut the. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm. I know. Saying that it seems kind of relevant. It's weird as shit. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, it's weird as shit, and that's why I don't. Yeah. I don't like it. (laughs) Nine of Wands. How you doing? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird it's a little weird yeah jesus christ I, it's a lot weird i hate it it's a lot weird yeah so the the equation they the equation they gave it was essentially to prove their validity by expanding and i guess correcting the lorenz einstein transformation equation okay like, all i'm capable of understanding is that yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm capable of understanding is that it relates to Einstein and the relationship between energy, matter, and the speed of light. Uh-huh. Right? To prove that they're something special. That, you know. So here's, we fixed Einstein's shit for you. Yeah. So believing that this was something special, Andrea Puharic worked with Vinod for a month before he was called back into service at Edgewood Arsenal, Fort Detrick, Maryland. Okay. He would return to the Roundtable Foundation in a couple of months, and here he would start. And if you don't know what Edgewood is in Fort Detrick, back during exactly this time in the 1950s, we were testing a lot of chemical warfare agents on our own soldiers. Yeah. Kind of tricked them into volunteering. And prisoners, too. Yeah. This was when the first LSD experiments happened on soldiers. Like, Mm -hmm. you can look up footage of soldiers on acid. This This is that. Yep. They were doing really fucked up shit. And it was Army, not CIA. CIA was MKUltra, but... I mean, if you listen to our remote viewers, uh, the Psychic Spies series, you know how that kind of whole thing works. They work on concurrent things at the same time, you know. Right. They're swapping spit. Yeah. Yeah, they're swapping spit. Buharch would return to the Roundtable Foundation in a couple of months. And when he comes back, he would start up more channeling sessions with Finod. But this time, they had an audience. And not just any audience. And not just any audience. See, the Roundtable Foundation was connected to uh, the highest levels of society this reminds me of um like celebrities going to see marina abramovich do her spirit cooking shit yes that, yes it reminds me exactly yeah that. absolutely 100 percent. yeah yeah so in the audience also i sorry i sure. just have a, a, a thought which is the purpose of the audience i feel like it's almost like Using all of those people as extra batteries to fuel the phenomenon. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, that's why their participation is. They're also part of the Roundtable Foundation. Yeah. That's. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, Puharch met Dr. Vinod at a um, at a party uh, that was uh, Alice Bouverie. A party. Uh, whose maiden name is Astor, like the Astoria Hotel uh. in New York. At a party, she's one of those threw. big families. Oh yeah, yeah. Every last one of them. Yeah, yeah. He initially met Vinod at a party, got to talking to him, and then like a while later, Puharch is getting on a train, mm-hmm. sits down, sitting across from him is Doctor Vinod. Uh huh. And they start talking. He's like, well, "Come to my lab. Let's test out your shit." Right. But it was the chance meeting on a train. Chance. Right. Quote, right. Quote, uh, that led to the experiments going down. So, Man. besides Alice, Bovary, Bovary, I love that Bouvier, Bovary. Yeah, whatever the hell. It was also Arthur Young, who was the inventor of the Bell helicopter and something of a mystic himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Arthur Young's an interesting cat. His wife Ruth, uh, also Mar- 
Mar- Marcella Dupont, which is the Dupont family. Yeah, another one yeah. of those names. Henry Jackson, Georgia Jackson. Don't know them. Carl Betts and hmm. Vonnie Beck. Don't know them. And of course, Andrea Puhari. But they were all in the audience. Nine of them. These nine witnesses. And through these nine witnesses, the message of this whatever the fuck the nine is was not even a degree of separation from the highest levels of society. They were literally right there. Uh-huh. Right? And not just the highest levels of society, but the shadowy world of intelligence as well. Ooh. Yes. Uh, in Sinister Forces 1, The Nine, Peter Lavender writes that, and quote, Aster's, uh, Alice Bouverie. Yeah. Aster. Aster's intelligence connections were on par with Puharich and Payne. Uh, Ruth Payne. Okay. She was married, so... Payne wasn't her name. Payne was her last husband's name. Ruth Payne, was that Arthur Young's wife? Arthur Young's. She's now Ruth Payne Young. Okay. But she still kept the Payne because when you marry into like really fucking fancy families. Oh, I know. Like, I've seen like enough Real Housewives of, of New York, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonia Morgan, she will not let go of that Morgan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I don't blame her. Because the names get confusing, so you have to like explain that, so. Arthur Young's wife, Ruth Payne Young. Ruthie. Ruth, fucking, I forget her first maiden name. I don't know why I didn't write it. So Something weird. So Ruth, so, Puharik, and Aster all have intelligence connections. Yeah. Lavender writes, Aster's intelligence connections are on par with Puharik and Payne, making the nine look like a prayer meeting of the Association of Former Intelligence Officers. Yeah. <laughs> the channeling session began this time at 12.15 a.m., July 27th, 1953. The night of the full moon. This seems very planned out. Yes. 12.15 on the dot, eh? Yes. Like, there's some astrological component to that that I'm sure is... Oh, it adds up to nine. Ah, cool. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Your schizo powers are getting stronger. Uh, No, they're not. I hate them. (laughs) Um, So as Vinod began channeling, these threads appeared out of nowhere on the floor in front of Vinod according to Puharch's account. Like fabric, thre- like oh, threads. Oh, weird, yeah. Yeah. Strings. Yeah, nine pieces of string, of thread. And the nine, or rather the messenger of the nine, identified this time as R, or as the first time it was M. It said M calling. This time it says R calling. Mm-hmm. There's a hint in there. If uh, you yeah. so choose to look back through nonsense bizarre lore. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So this one's calling himself R. Uh, speaking through Vinod as Vinod passes a thread to each of the nine people, saying that their purpose on that night was to create Brahmins in the world. Uh, Brahmins are the highest caste of the caste system of India. Right. I thought we were doing an Egypt thing. You well, know, it's they just pull from whatever. whatever. They haven't whatever said they the want. Egypt thing yet, so... They, like, they'll take from whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, they're alien. They're whatever the hell they are. I mean, they've affected everything all over the globe, so yeah. it's all the same. But they basically tell them, like, you nine special people, yeah, you're going to so be special. the highest cast of this world. Yep. You know, an Illuminati type thing, right? Yeah. That's what this man on sitting on the floor you are the chosen channeling people. aliens says to these people, and yeah. he gives them nine threads that apparently appeared out of fucking nowhere. Oh, whoa. Which is a very Blavatsky-esque trick. Yeah. Trick or ability or whatever. The, mm-hmm. It's a trick whether it's paranormal or not. It's a very Blavatsky esque. Right. Trick. Yeah. Whether it's material or supernatural. Yeah. It has that like tricky stage magic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like objects just showing up out of nowhere. It's, it's interesting. Is this your card? <laughs> the nine told the audience that they were a collective intelligence, a gestalt, 
nine aspects that made up a whole. Speaking through Vinod, the nine said, and quote, God is nobody else than we together, the nine principles of God. There is no God other than what we are together. God, this is such like, I feel like this is just a bunch of people in a room on acid together being like, whoa, dude, we're all one. All, all nine of us are one. I mean, probably. Yeah. That's it, just what it feels like. It's very likely that that's, <laughs> like, that's part of what was going on. Yeah. Um, Remember, this is before... Because it, it seems coincidental that there's nine people there, and then there's the nine guys. They did that on purpose. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And this is also, you gotta remember, before, like, drug culture existed. Right. So there was no, like, cultural stigma or, like, they weren't like, oh, why are we a bunch of hippies? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, they had the... If they were on LSD, and I've never seen any evidence for that, that was the magic chemicals that Andrea brought back from the right. army. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't make their their revelations or this any less meaningful. No, it, it, I think it, that there's something to be said for for what was uh, realized and channeled. Uh, I think it almost makes it more meaningful since it strips it of any like cultural baggage. Yeah, uh, that like got attached to LSD or, or drugs in general because we don't uh-huh. know if, if they're on anything. It could have been on Daytona because he was fucking around with that too. Right. Puharch wrote about this. Uh, the controllers of the universe operate under the direction of the nine. Between the controllers and the untold numbers of planetary civilizations are the messengers. Mm. Which is interesting, considering they said that there's no God other than what we are together, but they're actually subservient to something. Right. But I think that comes in a little bit later. Oh, over a period of time, the nine gradually revealed that they were extraterrestrial beings living on a giant spacecraft hovering above Earth. They said that the assembled congregation had been chosen to promote the nine's agenda on Earth. So The chosen ones. The chosen ones, yes. Good for them. They're all the chosen ones. How fun. Yes, and they have all the money too, so Deep isn't that space convenient? Nine. Yeah, well, not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet, not yet, not yet. In his biography of Yuri Geller titled Yuri, Puharch would write about this uh, these channeling sessions. We took every known precaution against fraud, and the staff and I became convinced that we were dealing with some kind of extraterrestrial intelligence. Every known precaution against fraud. Like, how are you going to protect yourself from your own subconscious thing? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like you can't set up any protections against that. Once you're like fully involved with a group that's all in on what you're doing, yeah. then there's there's no. Yeah. But hey, who I don't know. No, I love there's it. So much weird shit that happens after that, like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Dr. Vinod returned to India and the nine humans were left to do whatever it is Brahmin do. Yeah. Which is quite a lot, apparently. Puharch had two years left in the army at Edgewood. It's kind of weird how you just got to go back and forth like that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Also, how was how were the audience members chosen? Because I'm guessing the Roundtable Foundation had far more members than who was. I don't in that know. Audience. I don't I don't necessarily. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if they did. I know like it was a social circle. Uh-huh. You know? Uh huh. Arthur, like Young and, and Ruth and Arthur Young and Ruth Young and the Astor Lady. I know they were part of the Roundtable Foundation. Yeah. Like, I think this was. This might have been the board of the Roundtable Foundation, you know, not exactly sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, so he Puharch has two years left in the army, and in those two years from 1953 to 1955, uh, <laughs> Peter Lavenda writes this ridiculously long list of all the things that happened. I picked some of the, the best ones. And in those two years from 1953 to 1955, MKUltra was born. Mm, the big bad. 
Mick Ultra. I'll, Mick I'll take, the I'll Mick take Ultra. one Mick yeah. Ultra, please. Yeah. You can supersize it. Supersize, yeah, supersize them. I'll get the suicide special. <laughs> uh, Harts' friend Aldous Huxley ate mescaline for the first time. And opened the doors of perception. Yes. Uh, Frank Olson was tossed out a window. He was a CIA guy. He got the suicide special. He got the suicide special. The CIA created the Robertson panel to investigate UFOs. The Korean War ended. The CIA toppled governments in Iran and Guatemala. The first Scientology offices opened in L.A. God, what a year. And on and on. And so it goes. What a fucking year. 53 to 55. Two years. What a fucking yeah. year. <laughs> and that's like half of the shit that was. Yeah. Also real interesting. Buharch's boss at Edgewood, the head of the Chemical and Biological Warfare Division. Let that, let's just say that the head of the Chemical and Biological Warfare Division. Yes. <laughs> was a dude named Lawrence Layton. 20 years later, his son, Larry Layton, would be the only person to face any sort of justice for the Jonestown Massacre. Like what? Larry Layton was the young mad scientist who mixed the flavor aid. Yep. Yeah. I like the connection there. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting to know also... They got the suicide special again. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's the make ultra. What the yeah. Fuck? <laughs> Another thing that's interesting to know is one of the big chemical families that Edgewood was investigating alongside LSD were, were compounds found in Daytura, a.k.a. Jimson weed, a.k.a. Nightshade? Uh, yeah, a angel trumpets. It's, it's yep. in the nightshade family. Yeah. Tomatoes are too, interestingly. Yeah. And eggplants and tobacco. All nightshades. Yep. Yeah, a.k.a. don't eat that shit no matter what Carlos Castaneda tells you. Um, one of these compounds was scopolamine, which gained notoriety when Vice made a documentary about it. Yeah. may or may not have been sensationalized. By the way, if you've never read trip reports for Datura, it's fucking insane. Oh my god, it's like reading a bunch of surreal horror stories, yeah. except that really happened to people. I mean, my favorite one is the dude who eats it on a beach, and he goes walking down this beach, and he hears sounds coming from like sounds like a party. He looks over, he sees like there's this treehouse, like it's like a, a house, like a real ass house. Yeah, that's just built in the trees. It's like lights on, and there's like a stairway, and he he's like, oh shit, wow, and he like walks up to it and. There's all these like beautiful people up on the balcony and stuff. He's like, hey, what's going on? You realize they're American expatriates. Uh, and he, they're like, ah, come on up. They're like, have a drink. Yeah, come on. He goes up. He has a great time. has like one of the best nights of his life. And uh, you know, he's talking to this pretty girl <laughs> all night. And he's hoping he runs into her again. And then he wakes up on the beach naked. <laughs> None of it was real. No. He had just been wandering around the beach all night. He's in fairyland. Yeah. Like, not as... There wasn't even anything to suggest that to him. Yeah. Right. Which is fucking weird as shit. You'll go somewhere else, even though you're right here. Also, Puharch was friends with Carlos Castaneda, who made use of Daytura quite extensively. That's for a different series. Yeah. For our purposes today. In 1956, Andre Puharch, Arthur Young, and the Dutch psychic Peter Herkos traveled to Mexico under the guise of using Herkos' psychic abilities to recover lost artifacts. These fucking guys. Like Tomb Raider if you replaced Laura Croft with three middle-aged men yeah, who think like aliens told them they're the Illuminati. The lamest Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With a Indiana Jones with bad haircuts. Yeah. But considering none of these men had archaeological qualifications, Peter Lavenda speculates that they were actually involved in Buharch's quest to find mushrooms that enhance psychic powers. Maybe if we just travel to these cool places and take mushrooms, we'll find treasure. We'll find more mushrooms. No, but, they were just looking for mushrooms. Yeah. They weren't actually looking for That is for the treasure. treasure. Right. And they were far more qualified to do that. Mm hmm. A bunch of little fucking truffle hogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, 
while they were in Mexico, these three truffle hogs met an American couple, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Loghead of Arizona. Mm. After talking for a while, <laughs> after talking for a while, the Logheads claimed that they had been receiving messages from the Nine through a medium back in Arizona. So, oh, goof off. They meet their at their. Oh, it wasn't lunch. in Sedona. Come on now. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it had to. Have it been. just was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, that's where they were. Yeah. So they're at they're having lunch at the hotel resort they're they're staying at, right? Mm-hmm. They see another couple American H- expatriates. The logheads. Uh, the logheads yeah. also have lunch. They start talking, and then after a few minutes, the logheads go. Because when you so, see other Americans in Mexico, you're going to go talk to them. Yeah, especially in 1956. Yeah, because you're also at. A oh really my god! Thank God, place. it's other white people. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're probably the only two people there because it's like even though Puharik was Croatian. No, he was. I mean, he was born in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. He was just ethnically yeah Croatian. Yeah. So yeah, they start talking, and then the logheads say, "By the way, Andrea, uh, we were told we were going to meet you here." And we have a message for you uh, from a channeler that we see, a psychic we see. Um, <clears throat> it's a message from the nine. Okay. And this, you know, fucking blows Buharch's mind. Right? Holy shit. Oh my, my, holy shit. And there's like, they could they, was there any way for them to know about the nine? No. Okay. No. Spooky. Well, there might, like, we don't know what Vinod did. That's true. Right? Like, that's the only thing. Uh-huh. Um, or about that medium back in Arizona. Yeah, we don't know who and that what, is. What they know. I have literally no idea who that is. It could right. be Vinod for all we know. True. Right. And touch on the Logheads again at the end. Uh, but the Logheads proved this to Buharch that they had been talking to the Nine, or talking to somebody who was talking to the Nine. Or I guess they were talking to the Nine if the medium is... Yeah. Uh, so it was communications from the Nine that referred to the specific events of the seances back in Glen Cove, Maine. They even further expounded on the Lorenz-Einstein equation that had been used to establish credibility. The weird hieroglyphic on. thing. Right. Yeah. It's a math equation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just math. It's, hi- it's hieroglyphs. Uh, the Logheads insisted that this came directly from a medium while in trance. So now this is like further confirmation of that the thing that they had experienced was real. The phenomenon is, yeah. is reaching out. And they were already on their... Brahmin mission, whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? Um, Puharch's activities when they get back, we'll talk about that in our series on him. They're yeah. not relevant right now. Not totally we relevant. We talk about the nine. Well, we're going to take a little detour. Okay. What we talk about now? Arthur Young. Okay. Yeah. Arthur Young is a super interesting character. All right. Uh, Peter Lavender draws a lot of parallels between Young and our boy Jack Parsons. Although Sweet. Arthur Young's life worked out far, far better than Jack's. Yeah. Uh, they were hyper-intelligent. Did he didn't blast himself to bits in a garage? No, he did the opposite of that. Okay. Lived a long, rich-as-fuck life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they were both hyper-intelligent aerospace engineers with a penchant for the mystical. Uh, Arthur Young invented the helicopter for Bell Aerospace and then left in 1947 to study philosophy. By helicopter, I'm sure there were other types of helicopter, but the helicopter that we know and use. Yeah. Arthur Young invented that. Rich-as-fuck. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then he just fucked off to study. Also, philosophy. also a firm part of the conspiracy mythos, because as we say, like helicopters, you know, yeah. as soon as you start being suspicious of the helicopters, it yeah. gotcha. Yeah. You're, you're in too deep now. Right. Exactly. Which is like the helicopter is like quintessential to the paranoid American. Right. And it comes and it goes right to this dude. Yeah. They're young, which is I, I've, I haven't seen that connection put in print before. And that's. Holy shit, think about that. Yeah. There's some fucking shit there. So, whereas Jack Parsons liked Crowley, Arthur Young, well, he liked Blavatsky. 
and others in that that field. Yeah. Yeah. He also had his Jung also had his own sort of grand cosmological theories, which he wrote books about. Basically, I can't explain his cosmology. He had this concept called process. And according to Jung, process is a fundamental aspect of matter, of reality. Okay. Um, of each quanta of reality. It's the divine drive, like it's the, the it's the part of the world that is the soul, right? The the eternal soul of God. It's the the intent by which the universe like is the will. Yeah, it's like a measurable aspect of reality that is the will. It's yeah. the drive thing. Yes. Except um, called process instead yeah, it, of will. It seems cool. Yeah. Arthur Young married Ruth Forbes Payne. Yeah, Forbes is her first fucking Oh name. my God. Yeah, dude, yes. Ruth. The, Ruth, dude. Ruth, you're connected to everybody. She's the real re- weird one here. Uh, Arthur Young married Ruth Forbes Payne, a descendant of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay. Who, through her previous marriage to George Lyman Payne, was connected to two of the oldest, most prestigious families in America, the Paynes and the Cabot. I love their cheese. Yes. I don't know if it's the same Cabot. Probably not. They were from, <laughs> these guys were from Boston. I always got my mind on uh, cheese. I went to Captain Isaac Payne Elementary School. <laughs> well done. You know, I worked on a farm at Payne, Payne Road. Payne is a big dude in uh, Payne, the town I grew yeah, up in. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we can't get too far into the JFK assassination here. No. But... We're going to go a little bit. How does that relate? It relates. Holy shit. Suffice to say. It's like, this really connects to everything, huh? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Wow. <clears throat> There's some weird goddamn fucking shit surrounding JFK. Like cosmically weird. I'm not talking mafia or fucking CIA killed him because of fucking Bay of Pigs. Cosmically weird. Divine providence weird. Like shit is fucked to hell in a handbasket weird. Okay. So Ruth Young, which is Ruth Forbes Payne Young. Uh huh. Had a son from her previous marriage. God, she's collecting last oh, names also, like her life depends yes. on it. Also, her dad was uh, like one of the heads of the American like Institute for Development or American Development Institute, mm-hmm. which is a well-known CIA front. <laughs> Ruthie. Yeah. So her son, Michael Payne, this dude marries another Ruth, Ruth Hyde, thus creating another Ruth Payne. So that first Ruth Payne we talked about, old yeah. Ruth, we're going to call her Ruth Young. Yeah. Old Ruth is Ruth Young. Okay. Got it? <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. Young Ruth is Ruth Payne. Okay. Michael Payne, Arthur Young's stepson. Ruth okay. Forbes Payne Young's... Yeah, that's... Ruth Forbes Payne Young's son, oh. Michael Payne, his wife, Ruth Payne. Jesus I'm Christ. sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I get it. I get I'm it. Sorry. Get it. I'm sorry. I'm so, Not like, just to you, to everyone. <clears throat> Marrying a woman with the same name as your mom. I mean, yeah, we can talk about that. It's confusing. It, it is. Michael Payne is shady as shit. Yeah. He sucked ass at school. And that's old Ruth's stepson. Old Ruth's son. Son. Arthur Young's son. stepson. Okay, yeah. He sucked at school, but then was de- employed directly by Arthur Young making model helicopters just at Arthur's house. His mom just making model helicopters. Uh... <laughs> Long after Arthur stopped working on helicopters. Nepotism is amazing. It really is. You just get to build little models. Oh. Then he worked at a nuclear what? lab. Okay. Then he worked at Bell Helicopter. <clears throat> he testified at the Warren Commission on the assassination of JFK, but was saved from ever having to explain what the fuck he did by CIA Director Alan Dulles, who redirected any uncomfortable question. <sighs> Michael and Ruth Payne moved to Texas, and at a party, the Paynes met another famous American family. The Oswalds. Oh my God. As in Lee Harvey and Marina Oswald. Uh, they were brought to the party and introduced to the Youngs by George de Morinshield, who for our purposes was a Russian and spooky as fuck and died by, end quote, suicide right before he could testify at the Warren Commission. Mm. 
Anyway, Ruth Payne wanted to learn Russian from Marina Oswald. So, shortly after visiting Arthur and Ruth Young in Pennsylvania, Ruth Payne invited Marina to stay at their house. Or in Michael's house. Ruth Payne is young Ruth. Yes. Michael's wife. Yes. Shortly after visiting Arthur and Ruth Young in Pennsylvania, young Ruth invited Marina to stay at their house. Michael Payne, for his it's part. It's funny. Her I, last... I know, I know. Just let me get through it. I know. I know. It's so confusing. I know. It's like a rodeo trying to hold on to this. this say shit. say old Ruth instead of Ruth Young. Yeah. Because yeah. saying Ruth Young is like, wait, young Ruth? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's what was tripping me I know, me I know, I know. I'm sorry, everyone. I didn't write history. <laughs> yeah. So shortly after visiting Arthur and old Ruth in Pennsylvania, young Ruth invited Marina to stay at Michael Payne and young Ruth's house. Michael Payne, for his part, was the dude who took Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald, to his first ACLU meeting and also engaged him in political discussions like around witnesses, like in public, around people. Like he was seen with them, having political talks with them. And young Ruth even helped little Lee Harvey by uh, getting him a job. Wow. At a, a book depository in Dallas. So these connections are undeniable and very close, like very close oh. together. Arthur Young's step-daughter-in-law, uh, step-daughter-in-law, yeah. got Lee Harvey Oswald the job at the book depository. Yeah. 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 Uh, from which he may or may not have shot a magic bullet at the president. So Ruth Payne, young Ruth, young Ruth would also provide most of the evidence that damned Oswald in the eyes of the Warren Commission and the public. And at the Warren Commission, Ruth mentioned that Lee Harvey had spoke of a potential, potential trip to Pennsylvania. And every time it comes up, Alan Dulles, head of the CIA, whose mistress of 20 years, Mary Bancroft, was old Ruth's oldest friend, either changes the subject or leads Ruth to a mundane answer. Mm. It should be noted that Andrea Puharich was a close, close friend of Arthur Young. The Youngs lived in Pennsylvania. Andrea Puharich was, at this time, a master hypnotist and psychoactive drug enthusiast. Yeah. So in short, tons of connections from the Nine to the spookiest of the spooks and to quite possibly the biggest psychic nuke that ever went off in the collective mind of America. The JFK assassination. Right. And it's right there, like, with all of this. Yes. It's right there. Yeah. It is right there. Like, Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald most likely met someone who was the third most important person in that channeling room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a quote here from Jacques Vallée oh. about the JFK oh, assassination boy. and its significance. Okay. He wrote, I discovered with surprise to what extent I had judged and admired my and admired my new country through Kennedy's actions. This brutal death reminds me of the existence of a volcano of violent realities underneath the orderly unfolding of our best plans. The real beyond is not that which follows death, but that which stretches underneath life itself. In this sense, the saucers are a potential source of cultural and strategic upheaval, just like yesterday's killing in Dallas. Just as in Dallas, we are dreadfully unprepared. With that in 1963, 23rd November 1963, it was... The impact of the JFK assassination on the collective psyche of America cannot be overstated. Yeah. It's one of those things like it's so fucked up to like realize there are adults who weren't alive during 9-11. Right. Because of the psychic nuke that that thing was and how it just changed everything. But like COVID, right? Mm -hmm. That's also another. Also, for a second, while you were talking, when you said like the killing that happened in Dallas, I'm immediately thinking of like the mass shooting recently. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. And I, I'm thinking about like the psychic impact yeah. of that and how I I don't know. I feel like we've been under like psychic bombardment for the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. just one. It's it's 
just like event after event of after event so basically the world changed right there and it changed real close to the nine Mm -hmm. and they weren't done they weren't fucking done not by a long shot (sighs) come on nine you couldn't have warned us about this yeah well maybe they did maybe they weren't maybe they wanted they wanted him to be dead jfk maybe yeah Oh, come on now. Yeah. Is that what the nine wants? This is like, why remember, would the nine want that? Remember the nine. JFK and the CIA didn't really get along yeah. very well. Yeah. They, they really did not get along. A lot of them, a lot of CIA guys got killed because of the whole Bay of Pigs thing. Mm. You know, there's a mm-hmm. giant fuck up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Made worse by Kennedy's indecision and stuff. Compli- that's a whole, you know, real history is just as fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't dug into JFK at all. It's weird. Super yeah. strange um, because it. the weird thing about JFK is like there are a thousand potential conspiracies against him. He made so many enemies and there's all these weird connections and interlinks. But it, whenever you look at it, it starts to look like a whole different plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's strange. But everyone wanted that dude dead. <laughs> it's like an optical illusion that can be... Like yeah. You can see five different things in it, depending on which way you look at it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's Except like. Except more than that. Yeah. And that's like a lot of the deep conspiracy <laughs> theory shit about like the King Kill 33, um, about like it's this Masonic ritual yeah. enacted in real life about the killing of the king. It gets real paranoid real fast. And it could have just been, like, I know the last podcast guys kind of hung their hat on the idea that uh, it was, the killing shot was actually a fuck up by the Secret Service dude who was brand new to the secret service, uh, right behind the president. Like he didn't have the safety on, on his gun and yeah. like a jolt fucking just made the shot go off, which like uh. wouldn't surprise me. That would not surprise me at all. <laughs> anyway, that's not the end of the story of the nine. That's the end of John F. Kennedy's story. Right. <laughs> and he just showed up. Nine aren't done. Not by a long shot. Wow. That JFK connection though. Yeah. But now. Seven years later, enter the spoon man. Oh shit. I'm just imagining Yuri Geller in like a Chris Angel mind freak scenario, just like bending spoons on the street. Yeah. He better be using this song. (laughs) Spoon Man. I I wrote Spoon Man, then I remembered there's a song called Spoon Man. Yeah. Yeah. Spoon Man. Ooh, ooh. So in 1970, that dude, it would be so funny if that was, that should be Yuri Geller's music. (laughs) It should be. His website, by the way. Yeah, it's great. When when you're done listening to this, just go to his website, bookmark it, go check it out sometime. Yeah. It is a it's a wonderland. It is of nonsense. I love Yuri Geller. Yep. I'm so, I'm a huge fan. Entertaining. I, I love him so much. I'm so glad he exists. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in 1970, Andre Puhart's next act was to go to Israel because he had heard <laughs> about this talented psychic who had powers beyond anyone's belief. This talented, egotistical psychic, Yuri Geller. Ooh, he sounds suggestible. He's very, the entire saga is just something else. Um, depending on different sources, you look at it, it was either a couple months or it was two years that uh, Puharch was over there. He went with scientist uh, Dr. Itzhak Bentov, who was instrumental in the cosmology behind the Monroe Institutes. Mm-hmm. And in one of our lost episodes. No, he's in, no, he's in uh, Mon- uh, the Gateway Project. Yeah, but didn't we also, we did another lost episode about the probability stock market. Or no, 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 we did... Um... The remote viewing experiment thing. Right. 
Yeah. I don't know. Did we talk about Itzhak Bentov in that one? Yeah. Did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. We did We did um, a remote distance thing. Yeah. And it was one of the ones that we scrapped. It's the one of the ones I accidentally deleted. Oh, <laughs> shit. I deleted your segment. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's why I don't use pirated FL Studio anymore. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, like, that's that's a thing that's one of those, like, you want to hear that in, in depth, like, while Puharch is in... It's in Israel. It's wild. It's Yuri Geller deserves his own episode at some point. Oh, yeah. But as we said, Puharch at this time was a master hypnotist. He's also like, he got trained in the kahuna tradition of Hawaii. He like, got all these qualifications. A big kahuna, master. eh? Yeah. Like he spent this, like the decade that he was just fucking around doing shit, just doing all sorts of weird stuff and getting trained in all sorts of weird arts, like hypnotism. And shit. He was a master hypnotist. And once he had gotten into Geller's good graces... Andrea Puharch hypnotized him to find out where his powers came from. This would become a theme. So under trance, uh, Yuri Geller told Puharch that his powers came from an artificial intelligence that was part of this giant invisible spaceship above Earth's atmosphere. Called, and the, the AI was named Spectra, right? The AI was named Spectra. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they came from the planet Hoover. I'm so proud of myself for knowing that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's a good <laughs> thing to know. Um, yeah, Geller's, and if you remember back to our remote viewing uh, series, like there was a lot of weird shit that happened around Yuri Geller, mm-hmm. including this like small UFO hover- yeah. showing up at the people who were studying him, um, showing up in their house and shit and like weird bird creatures and just like weird metallic voices showing up on recordings and shit. Mm-hmm. Strange stuff. And Yuri Geller, under hypnosis, told Buharch that when he was three years old, he met a shining being of light that gave him his powers. Mm. And then the voice speaking speaking through Geller told Puharch that Yuri had been programmed on that day, and it was now Andrea's job to take care of him. Yeah. Take care of me, Daddy. Yuri didn't ask that. <laughs> no. Yuri thought that was real fucking weird. Yeah. Then Puharch, you know, asked the fateful question. If this was the same intelligence that spoke to him uh, some 20 years ago in Glen Cove, Maine. Are you part of the nine? Yeah, are you are you the same intelligence? The nine part literally. Yeah. Yeah. Tranced out Yuri Geller answered, Yeah, and they were off to the races. The nine in this new spectra form would send Yuri Geller and Andre Puharik on all sorts of wacky misadventures. Like showing them UFOs in Israel, like making things disappear, recording tapes of the strange metallic voice, which would then erase itself. Like objects would apparently just disappear, like <gasps> components of like sealed pens and shit. Like, yeah. The spring would disappear. So interesting. Yeah. And of course, all the tapes erase themselves. Mm, of course. Yeah. Because they started doing like seances, right? Not like Yuri channeling, because Yuri was pretty fucking wary right. of getting hypnotized by Andre Puharch. And like asked about asked about it later, like if it, if he thought it was the nine, he's like, I don't know. I was in trance. I don't know what he right. Yeah, like he he distanced himself very much. He never he never tried to make himself close to this. Yeah, this was Puharch's trip. Yeah, yeah. But it was Andre Puharch who would send Yuri Geller to SRI. He's she's who brought Yuri Geller to SRI's attention. SRI standing for Stanford Research Institute. Yes. The people behind. I forget that we're not in the same series. I've just I've mm-hmm. been so deep in my yeah. little house in the swamp just reading conspiracy books. I tried so hard not to rant. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, Stanford Research Institute, which was the place where the psychic spying program started. Shows up, up all over Ingo the fucking Swan place. And, yeah. And Hal Putoff, Russell Tarr. It even shows up in my fairy research. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus Christ. That's too much. I know. So- 
1972, Spectra, aka the Nine, started to describe an imminent mass landing of UFOs, and they told Andrei Puharich and Yuri Geller that their roles were to prepare humanity for the mass landing. They told him some nonsense about a knowledge book that they hid in ancient Egypt 6,000 years ago, all this stuff, all this new agey, you know. Yeah. And you'll need to Seager collect history. a key that says Sego Terra in order yeah. to open yep. the portal and yep. find the book and read it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Send him all these wild goose chases and shit. Right. Geller thought that the nine were, in his words, a race of clowns. <laughs> and he wanted nothing to do with them. Bunch of fools. Yeah, basically. He's like, this is fucking stupid. Whereas like Puharich and Bentov are like, They've got a map out and they're drawing X's and they're going to go on the adventure. Right. Yuri Gelly just literally wanted to make money. He told mm-hmm. it Puhar as much. He's like, look, I came from a poor family. Um, you might be interested in all this mystical cosmic shit. I don't know. I can just do this shit. I want to get paid. Yeah. And that's what he tried to do. You know, Puhar brought Yuri to visit Arthur Young in 1973. And we don't know what happened there, but shortly after Yuri Geller appeared on British television, became an international superstar like overnight. His days of being the chosen one were done. Dude got fucking paid. He just fucked off. He did. He's one of those big names. Yeah. That even if you don't know about all of this, you probably like I've heard know the name Yuri Geller. Yeah. And you know about I did. Bending. I did yeah. before I knew about this. Yeah. Which I absolutely. only learned about in like the last three months. Yeah. He is the example of the fake psychic. Like James Randi disproved him and shit. Like, fine. Okay. But. You don't need to look at that. Look at this. Right. Yeah. And he fucked off and he wanted nothing to do. He got creeped out by Andre Puharch. Mm-hmm. He was just done. Yeah. Um, so Puharch would find some more people to channel the nine. He found a woman named Phyllis Schlemmer. Who with <laughs> Puharch dying to channel the nine. Yeah. With Puharch and a dude named Sir John Whitmore, they founded a place called Lab Nine in Ossining, New York. Now, Phyllis Schlemmer was a spiritualist channeler uh, who worked as a psychic in Florida assisting police and mining corporations. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Mining corporations. Yeah. You know, she's like telling them where they can find the the jewels or what? I guess so. I don't know what the fuck you're mining for in Florida. Or what, what, how psychic abilities would assist in that? No, that's exactly what she should be. Yeah. But like in Florida, that's weird. Right. I don't know what rocks they got over there. She's a diamond hog. She also ran a psychic training center. And in 1974, a dude enrolled in Phyllis Schlemmer's psychic class who is, is referred to by his pseudonym. Don't know his real name. Bobby Horn, something, something, Twin Peaks, something, something. Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Schlemmer called Puharch and said, we've got the new chosen one. Get down here, Hank. She found this. What was he? He was a cook. Bobby Horn was a cook. Yeah. Yeah. In Daytona. Yeah. In Florida. Um, Yeah. Bobby. He's just some dude who works as a cook in Daytona, Florida. He goes to this psychic training class he's like and who knows he's like he has 70s. abilities yeah he is psychic he's it's yeah he probably is too i this mean is, psychic, you know now we're after the psychedelic revolution yeah right now everyone like he's probably you know listening to Jimi hendrix it's 1974 he's listening to Jimi hendrix flipping burgers anyone who like works as like cooks you know cooks are broken people yeah <laughs> <laughs> bobby horn's been They'll through, been through some shit you know yeah. like to some of my favorite people oh mine too yeah. but he's tapped in into something else he yeah. ain't lived a normal life this mr horn no definitely not yeah but apparently his, his abilities were such that phyllis called up andrea and said get down here we got the new chosen one so he got down there and on their first meeting guess what he did you'll never guess what they what he did channeled the nine well he hypnotized bobby oh, oh of course yeah you gotta yeah the first thing you gotta do you hypnotize right, bobby. right off the bat yep and then uh, had him start channeling an entity that came through as Corian. Mm. Arch was delighted. 
found a worthy successor to the Yuri Geller. He's such a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> how, how dare he? Oh, uh, he can. He conducted a bunch of taped interviews with this Corian, but he never let Bobby Horn listen to them, claiming that Corian said he couldn't. <laughs> okay. And he hypnotized him every time too. Right. And Bobby Horn never remembered any of this either. No. Right. And of course, Puharich asked a bunch of leading questions. And whereas before Puharich mentioned the mythology set up through his sessions with Geller, like that Spectra, Hoover, yeah, spaceship, that shit, before Puharich ever mentioned any of that, asking, do you have a spaceship? Shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Corian or hypnotized Bobby never said a goddamn thing about that. Of course not. Right. Afterwards, it was a regular topic. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Even worse, Buharts then implanted, allegedly, and a lot of this stuff after JFK comes from this book, The Stargate Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, Buharts then implanted a post-hypnotic suggestion into Bobby's head, allowing Phyllis to put him into trance in Buharts' absence. Huh. I wonder what her method was. I don't know. Uh, the unethical thing here is that Bobby didn't know a goddamn thing about this. Right. So in trance, Corian told Puharich, Slemmer, and Whitmore that they were the cho- that they were the chosen ones, chosen for a special mission to bring the news of the imminent return of the space people to Earth, and this would become the central message of the group. Can I make a quick detour to talk about the effectiveness of post-hypnotic suggestions? Absolutely, because it's okay. a thing that people uh, think doesn't work. Right. Okay. So. At one point, I listened to a hypnosis file because I like self-hypnosis. It's an interest of mine that set up um, a trigger for being touched in the back of the neck would put me into trance. Okay. So if someone like squeezes my neck or touches the back of my neck, that is a post-hypnotic suggestion that I will be put into trance. Unfortunately, that file that I listened to did not specify a specific person that would mm. do that, which left it open for anybody to, to do that. And I found this out when I was at a doctor's appointment. Oh, no. And I was having my lymph nodes checked. That's insane. And my neck was being rubbed. And I entered a state of trance at the doctor's office where I felt very weird. And then some weird stuff happened. And I won't that's, get into it. That's bizarre as fuck. But, but it, I will say that there is some truth to that where a post-hypnotic suggestion will work even in a scenario where i like obviously i'm not trying to go into trance during a routine checkup sure so so it works yeah Yeah, that's (laughs) fucked up though dude wow okay yep because that's one of those things like i did that you can't do that like right i don't know i need to experiment more with that no but like say because that's you're very susceptible anyone could just walk up to you and squeeze your neck and then you're you're suggestible to that specific person yeah yeah Fucking A. <laughs> so the message of being the chosen few, the chosen elite, who are to bring the news, the good news of the imminent return of the space people mm. to humanity, that become the central message of Lab 9, this group based out of Austin, New York. Yeah. And this group started getting slightly bigger, just slightly bigger. It was not meant to be a cult. Right. It was not a cult. It wasn't meant to be. And it wasn't. No, it, w- it wasn't. But like it wasn't like recruit everybody. We got to bring people to Lab 9. Mm-hmm. They were very selective. Like it was the intelligentsia. Yeah. Right. And then more of the more of their friends started finding out there. Hey, you should come check out the shit we're doing over at Lab 9. You know, and 
And it sounds cool too. It sounds like a cool club, Lab Nine. Yeah, but, but, it's like Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, exactly. It has that fucking yeah. cool guy feel to it. But like, to be sure, part of getting people there was to proselytize the message from the Nine mm-hmm. or Spectre or whatever the fuck. Yeah, the Nine, whatever you want to call it. Bobby Horn was getting sick of this shit. Remember, he doesn't remember any of these channeling sessions. He doesn't know really what the hell's going on. Right. He's not allowed to know. Andrea has long hair and a fucking caterpillar mustache at this point. He's getting old. He was born in like 1916. Yeah. So he's an old dude on drugs all the time. I'm just going to assume that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's true. Big old fluffy mustache putting you into fucking trance. Look up a picture of old Andrea. It's not, you don't want that dude staring at you. Right. Asking you about the space people. <laughs> yeah. His caterpillar mustache comes to life and starts like oh, asking you questions like the caterpillar and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And fucking Whitmore Schlemmer and Puharch like kept trying to drag this dude all over the goddamn place. Yeah. And he was like just under such extreme pressure from these weirdos to keep channeling. Like he, he became suicidal before the nine decided to let him go. Oh, my God. Yeah. They fucking ruined this man. Yeah. They Poor fucked Bobby. him up real bad. Yeah. Poor Bobby. But they got to get another channeler now. Right. So, so we, use, we've run Bobby to the ground. Who's, yeah. who's the next one? Who's stepping up to the plate? Phyllis. Ah, good. Don't know why it wasn't her in the goddamn first place. Should have been. Should have been. She wanted it. Yeah. She already channeled an entity. Mm-hmm. Her name was Tom. A fellow <laughs> by the name of Tom. Phyllis assumed it was her late grandfather, Thomas. Died when she was like 16. Yeah. Well, now she learned that Tom was actually... The, the nine. Oh my God. I wonder if she came to learn that after being hypnotized. I don't think so in her case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Also, it turns out that Tom means atom. Uh, atom. Yeah. Tom. The the, oh my God. The Sphinx was built to honor. Yeah. Uh, and so the Sphinx's name is Tom. Wow. Yeah. actually have a quote from these uh, first sessions. I already have a pull up. I'm so good. The Sphinx's name is Tom. Sphinx's name is Tom. So when asked about their identity or his identity, Tom's. Yeah. uh, He was asked, to whom am I talking? Do you have a name? Tom replied, as you know, I am the spokesperson for the I also have another position, which I have with you in the project. I will try to give you names so you can then understand in what you work and who we are. I may not pronounce who I am in a manner which you would understand because of the problem in the beings, his name for Schlemmer. The being's brain. But I will explain so that the doctor, Puharich, perhaps will understand. I am Tom. I am also Harmarcus. I am also Harankur. I am also known as Turn. Not making I am it known any more as clear. Atum. Oh, okay. That one's yes. sealed. The next day, following up on the name Harmarcus, Puharich asked, How did the Egyptians come to build and name the Sphinx after you? Tom replied, You have found the secret. A pause for consultation. The true knowledge of that will be related to you another time, but I will say briefly to you concerning the Sphinx, I am the beginning, I am the end, I am the emissary, but the original time that I was on planet Earth was 34,000 of your years ago. I am the balance, and when I say I, I mean because I am an emissary for the Nine. It is not I, but it is the group. We are nine principles of the universe, yet together we are one. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff, Tom. Brilliant stuff. And um, a lot of that, so like, the name of the Sphinx was kind of, I believe that was a mistranslation that was like commonly accepted at the time. Yeah. So like we know now that it wasn't really named like there's some, I forget exactly what, but there's some shit that was wrong in there that at the time they thought was true. If you were reading yeah. the Egyptology books, okay, you would think that was true, but then we found out it wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. You know. I know. You know. I know. Well, Tom also had some other interesting things to say, right? He 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 did. Well, we're getting to that. Yeah. At that Tom also had a bit of an authoritarian streak. He started expelling undesirables from uh Lab Nine. How convenient that you can channel the messenger of the nine who have been around since the beginning of time. Yeah. Who who blasted off from atom sperm. Yeah. And, you know, you can just say, I think uh, Tom doesn't really like you, Nancy. Yeah. I think you need to go. He called them negatives. Yeah. Because of course he did. Right. Right. We're in the 70s after all. New age, weird lab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What does Scientology call? um, Suppressives. Suppressive persons. Yeah. SPs. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Tom started to like organize this into a real thing to do the mission you know yeah with the negatives gone puharich was appointed director and uh sir sir whitmore sir john whitmore or david whitmore sir whitmore whose only job was to be the rich guy yeah that's the only thing he has done for these guys that's why mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned him mr uh, Moneybags. he was advised to give his considerable fortune to the group as a gesture of faith which he did good job mr Moneybags. <laughs> because they had a great mission you see yeah yeah you understand now they had they had to let 75 percent of the world know the space people were coming by 1976, what it was supposed to happen. It's a great yeah. vision, which they tried to do. Uh, they, the group was growing and the people there were all very, very well connected. Again, uh, including Canada's richest family, the Bromptmans, uh, known for owning Seagram's disgusting, disgusting whiskey. Uh-huh. So fucking bad. And for also known for bankrolling the Nexium cult. Uh, the cult the, the shit. Next, like we have, we got mm-hmm. Jonestown and Nexium mentioned in this episode, yeah, and Scientology. Tangentially created. Uh, we got three cults mentioned in this episode. Oh, and there's every other cult that's being left unset. Yeah, running throughout all of this. Right. Yeah, you know the ones. We got, we got the I am in the background. Yeah, that whole current is flowing unsaid through mm-hmm. all of this. We got Bugs Bunny in the corner going, "What's up, Doc?" Yeah. 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 We'll get we'll get to that later. Yep. Uh, in the Lab 9 documents, um, a lot of fake names are used. We know, like, the roles some of them played. Like, there are a few SRI physicists. Yeah. Um, a personal friend of Gerald Ford, which maybe is where Gerald Ford comes into the MK Ultra or, like, the, the Project Monarch lore. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and, and yeah. And also, uh, Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek. Gotta let people know the space people are coming. So, he, Gene Roddenberry... Was more amused by all of it rather than converted. Yeah, he was kind of a dick. He's like, "Ooh, this this is good fodder for sci-fi." Yeah, well, Lab Nine wanted him to make a movie about the Nine and their whole thing, which he started like scripting and like made himself like the main hero character. And just uh, made it all yeah. about him. Uh, some of the concepts made their way into Star Trek, such as a character named Vinod, and I mean <laughs> the name Deep Space Nine. Come on, come on, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine, <laughs> not Deep Space Eight. Deep Space Nine, come, <laughs> come. <laughs> so, uh, Puharch, Slemmer, and Whitmore were also like always going on missions all over the globe. You know, meditating for peace and other hippie shit, letting people know about the space people. Oh, yeah. They're also, doing important work. They also got in trouble a lot. 
as suspected spies, including once in Warsaw, Poland, for setting up a big radio receiver to more easily contact Tom. So maybe they were fucking spies. Uh, yeah. You know? Right on the right Cold War era fucking radio. Yeah. Come on now. Like, also, this is right around the time where I've heard stories of even in foreign countries, people getting weird phone calls with metallic voices of of things that claim to yeah. be from UFO groups. And I feel like that's that's tied into this. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, just like seeding the general public and and uh, persons of interest with these weird phone calls and transmissions. Yeah. If you look back through UFO paranormal lore, you're going to see this phenomenon of metallic voices on phones a lot of times and as far as i can tell like well actually i don't know because yuri wasn't the first time that that happened it like seems like but this is very much tied into the metallic voices on phone calls you'd be forgiven for thinking that it came from here right um seems very very connected to that yeah, just bringing it up. Also, in 1977, the Ashtar, the Vrilon Ashtar Command broadcast in Southern yeah. England. So in the Stargate conspiracy, and I wasn't going to include this because I couldn't find corroborating evidence for it. It must have been in a like second lesser well-known uh, prior or, you know, later radio broadcast takeover. Yeah. Because there's a quote in there from the transcript that doesn't exist in the Vrilon, the one we can listen to transcript. Mm-hmm. Um, that very well could have been cut out. Yeah, very well. Could knows. Have been. But it it makes mention that I've already been in, in contact with uh, Whitmore and Dr. Puharich. Right. Men- yeah, it mentions them by name. So this shit ties in with our Ashtar episode, which was yes. part of our Ascended Master pantheon of episodes. Yeah. As we've alluded to, we're still here. Like this is that we never left. Mm-hmm. But now we're in the CIA. well we're not but we might be well no not anymore yeah burn that bridge yeah (laughs) um uh, who knows but back in new york uh more people were channeling more people were channeling the nine including a dude named james hertak a uh new age author of infamy yeah famous or infamous they got the nine fever Uh, yeah um he was appointed second in command of lab nine he was like a legendary guru like a doctor in some bullshit science and like people would go sit at his feet and stuff and like mm-hmm. learn from the master and mm-hmm. shit. Uh, there's also an English woman named Jenny O'Connor who channeled the nine who would end up at a place we're definitely going to cover in depth in the future. The Esalen Institute. Oh God. Yes. Where the nine gave lectures. The, uh, the Esalen Institute's a sort of smart fuck new age think tank retreat where like every groovy counterculture icon you can think of gave talks. Like we're talking yeah. Terrence McKenna, Robert Anton Wilson, uh, fucking, name some more come on Wait, timothy leary right. um all of them alan watts <laughs> there you go that, of that's Judy enough yeah right all of them right 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 and the um, tentacles of the esalen institute uh yeah. find their way into the branches of psychiatry and a lot of important things that inform yeah it's sort the of the way the, things are today the, the rich california spirituality the one that jives well with technology and shit yeah that silicon valley spirituality that fucking jack dorsey spirituality you know the type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for a time, I shit you not, the nine were listed as members of the staff. It's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And like these smart fucks of the, these super rich, super intelligent people of their time who were trying to be groovy are going there while yeah. the nine are listed as staff members. You know, why not? Fucking why not? Uh, two researchers named Carla Royker and Don Elkinst accompanied Puharich to Mexico in 1977. And when they came back, Roy Kurt started channeling an entity named Ra, 
who, when asked by Puharich if he was the Nine, said, yep, I sure am. Of course, of course. The raw channelings uh, are still highly regarded amongst the I was the just thinking, is that like the... Yes. The, yeah. I'm pretty sure. That's the one? The law of... Yeah, no, no, that's the law of one. <laughs> well, shit. That's fucking epic then. Yeah. Because that's like, that's also informed a shitload of, of yeah, that's the, the conspiracy the raw culture. contact, the teach, teaching the law, the law of, of one. one. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is where the law of one comes from, too. Don Elkins and Carla Roypert oh went to God. Mexico with Andrea Puharich in 1977. Oh, okay. This is a, this is a big connection here. Yes. This is one for the cork board. Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Oh, law, yeah. Law of one, Puharich, Council of Nine. Yeah. Make that connection in your mind right probably now. Probably Carl Roper was, she was probably hypnotized by, by Puharich. Absolutely. They were probably eating weird drugs down in Mexico. Absolutely. Absolutely. Smoking weird shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if you're wondering, if you have no idea, any background on this new age stuff, and you're wondering what the was in these channel teachings, it's, it's all the Atlanta space people new age shit. It's just that. It's just that. Yeah. I'm not going to explain it. No. I don't give a fuck. No. It's that shit. Go no, go look at it. You don't have to infect your mind with yeah, it, you but don't even you have to, get the gist of it. I was going to say look it up or research it. You don't just look at it. Yeah. It's skim, out. It's that skim stuff. the Wikipedia. See, it's Atlantis is big up in there. The Sphinx pyramids. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, there's weird shit with all that, but I hate these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don Elkins would end up killing himself. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, isn't it crazy that like Puharik and James Hurtak, like they've all done lectures at the UN? Yes. Oh, and I didn't, I'm not bringing up Richard Hoagland really. No. But he's up in here. He's also done lectures at the UN. Yes. Like, and I mean, this is, is the thing like, we don't have to talk about to him. Be into people's heads where these people were in society. Yeah. High up. High up. And they weren't the wacky neighbors either. Yeah. They were influential. Yeah. Fucking Puharich was like, Never not working for the CIA, even though he was never officially working for CIA. Right. Right. He absolutely was. I mean, there's. I've also seen Al Gore's name even like. Yeah, I'm going to mention him later on. Oh, gosh. Um, okay. Yeah, like I've got a whole thing. Do listen connections at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we, what I'm talking about this episode. Yes, you of. very do. You very much do. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to we'll get there. This. Yeah. James Hurtak's channeled material says that the nine, the Egyptians' gods themselves, God itself is actually subservient to a higher entity called. I what just, do you think? What I you just think? read it in the script and I can't, I, I have to take a deep breath. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Great White Brotherhood. Oh, as we really haven't left. We, re- we, we really haven't left the Ascended Masters. I have Master not series. left the Ascended Master series. Holy shit. And the nine are subservient to the Great White Brotherhood, aka the Ascended Master. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Talk about what the nine said about black people. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, all races of the earth were seeded from space gods, right? We all yeah. have the divine spark yeah. within us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for one race. Oh, just one race? Who does not have the divine spark. Oh, no. Black people. Oh, God damn it. It's black people. Because of course it is. Yeah. Because you can't escape like the- But no, no, no. It's not a racist thing. The Great White Brotherhood, not racist. And this isn't some shit in a book in 1992. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we're already in 1997. Like we're moving into the 80s. The raw material is like 81, right? Yeah. Now, at Lab 9- The law of one, except if you're black. (laughs) Like, okay, guys. The law of one, except you. Right. Great. But of course, the Great White Brotherhood, racist as shit, mm. always has been. 
built on this shit. It is. You can't avoid it. It's literally built on racism. Yeah. Um, at lap nine, Buhart also had a group of children called the Space Kids or strangely Geller Kids. Oh my God. I don't really know where they came from. There's allusions to them being picked up in other countries. It's fucking stranger things. Yeah, I haven't. I, I, it's um, the initial point of having a bunch of fucking children there from it. Like I, I read like they came from like Turkey. Like they just picked them up on their travels, apparently. Yeah. Don't know what the fuck these kids are. Um, maybe there's a good reason I just skimmed over it. Maybe they didn't just take them. I don't know. I'm interested. I'm going to make a note to myself yeah. to like look up more about that. Well, you know. The point was to study psychic powers in kids since that usually is the time when psychic abilities start developing, right? Right. That's when the kids are like, I remember my past life. Right, right, right. But uh, soon, Andrea Puhart started having them remote view to contact aliens, and he fucking hypnotized them to tell them where their powers came from. Oh, good Lord. Yup. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, In 1978, Puhart went on one of his many trips to Mexico, and during that trip, an unknown someone burned Puhart's house to the ground. He blamed the CIA. Yeah. And afterwards, he had nothing to do with the nine ever again. Wow. Yeah. Damn. He died in nineteen ninety-five after falling down the stairs. This house that was given to him by one of his many benefactors. Yeah. Also, I read online because before we ever did this episode, yeah. I had a a whole folder that I don't even remember making in my Safari bookmark. He'll do that to you. For Puharic. He'll do that to you. And like a whole um, obituary written by like his ex-wife. Yeah. yeah talking about like somewhere. how um, he he basically lived a lonely life as an old man. Yeah. In a hoarded apartment. Yeah. yeah. Or building. House. I think it was a house. Yeah. 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 My Puharic folder is in my, within another folder titled mind control it's like a fucking onion yeah my my bookmarks are really quite quite an adventure oh mine are getting weird yeah <laughs> my targeted ads are getting real weird oh yeah <laughs> he was extremely frail and his health had been failing said susan mandel who took care of puharic you say 79 i think 76 76 there's there was an eviction order from the magistrate probably based on the condition of his dwelling Damn. But he couldn't afford to move. <laughs> so he was he was broke. Showed severe diabetes, kidney failure, high blood pressure, progressive dementia due to anemia and lack of blood supply to the brain. He had been having sudden violent outbursts, pulled out IVs wow. and pulled off telemetry patches. He had a rash on his leg, possible onset of gangrene. So he was just like... He was all fucked up. Wow. He got yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in depth when we cover him okay, in total. Cool. What a sad fucking dude. What a sad fuck. Right. So, um, didn't, it didn't end pretty. Every, everything about this dude, man, it just gives me this gross, oily feeling. Right. Cause like, I'd want to not like him, but I, I feel right. bad for him. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. The, like, he's done already <laughs> he's done terrible stuff. He haven't even scratched the surface of his life. Right. He's done all the shit that we have. We cored out David Jacob's asshole. For oh yeah, shit. yeah. I hate the things that he's done. Yeah, I think that they're really bad. But the whole thing is just like, ugh. And yet I'm like, because mm, it feels like a person that, and I'm sure David Jacobs too. They're led towards this line of work by sincere curiosity. Yeah, and a sense of of wonder and wanting to know more. And they get swept up in a current of sinister forces. Dun dun dun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Though, and. Yeah. 
and they get swept up in wanting to prove their own biases. I mean, that's yeah, it's that's the thing like Brian White was talking about the other day, like yesterday about research, like paranormal researches and shit, like getting fried. Yep. Because this shit will fry you. That's like it's sure will. Why meditation is the core skill. Like you got to be able to learn how to ignore the thoughts that pop into your head. Right. That's Shield yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll 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 get back to old Andrea later. Not soon. I got to step back. Yeah. <laughs> Even without Puharch, the circle of channelers and writers at Lab Nine thrived. Phyllis Schlemmer published a bestseller titled "The Only Planet of Choice" in 1992, a compendium of the Council of Nines, as it was now called, wisdom. That's where the shit about the seeded race and yeah, 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 yeah. came from. Ninety-two. That was published in 92. Yeah. Bestseller. Yeah. Real seminal. Fuck. New age. And like there are other books too from other channelers. Like a bunch of people are channeling the night. Everyone's channeling the night. You're yeah. channeling. You ain't channeling the night. What the fuck are you channeling for? Right. <laughs> so I thought oh, you, you haven't talked to the nine? Yeah. What are you? Some kind of poor? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've talked to them. Yeah. I forget the name. There's a ton. There's a ton. Uh, one of the problems with this story is that to understand the impact that the Nine had on the New Age, on counterculture, and all this shit is to look upon an infinite corkboard. It's impossible to really detail all the connections on a podcast episode. It's hard to do in book form, too. This shit is impenetrable. It's huge. Nor is it really possible to drive home, at least not today, the connections to villains we've covered before and weird shit we have no answer to. But I'd like to go back in time a bit now uh, to, to round this all out and go through some of the more bizarre and sinister things surrounding the the creation of this memetic structure. Okay. So a ton of the specific shit the nine say, including specific mistakes that have, that have since been disproven come from the shady as hell, early 20th century Egyptologist and magician, not stage magician named Schwaller de Lubitz. Cool name. Yeah, he was, Schwaller was originally his last name, and then he got to Lubitz from, like, a student of his who, like, inducted him into his super rich clan or some bullshit. You no, know, every magician's got to have a, have a magician name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, de Lubitz was a theosophist, and he founded his own order, the Watchers. Born out of theosophy, the original members were part of theosophy, and it was dedicated to his other great interest, the political philosophy of synarchism. Mm. We mentioned synarchism in our episode about Alexander Dugan. Yes, we did. Julius Evola. Yes, we did. Steve Bannon. Synarchism is a political philosophy that dictates a, a government so total that you cannot see it. You think you're free, but you're not. Right. It is the opposite of anarchism. Not totalitarianism, because you can see the government. Yeah. The government's so total. You're controlled by unseen forces. The myth of the Illuminati is the is people scared of synarchists. Yeah. 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 Yes. His order, his order's motto, the, the Watcher's motto, was a play on the motto of the French Revolution, which was, the French Revolution motto was, of course, uh, equality, liberty, fraternity. Mm-hmm. And Lupitz's motto was hierarchy, liberty, fraternity. Ain't no equality here, baby. No. No. No, no, no. You step below me, I'm gonna uh, step on your back. He designed a uniform for that group that would uh, then be used by the SA, which was the forerunner to the SS in Nazi Germany. Amazing. And by the way, the founder of Synarchy, Alexander St. Ives de Alvedra, is where the idea of Agartha comes from in the Underground Secret Masters. No shit. So the idea of creating a reality for people to live in. Yeah. Goes all the way back to, you know, this dude came with the idea of Agartha, according to um, the Stargate Conspiracy. And a synarchist uh, Egyptologist is directly quoted. 
mm. by the nine. And I mean directly quoted when they talk about uh, the nine principles shit. Like those sentences are lifted right from Schwaller de Lubitz. Yeah. Yeah. And the legendary masters of Synarchy usually number in nine. Like the nine Templar. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lubitz's group was dedicated to bringing about his idealized magical synarchy. And many members were connected to the movements which uh, gave rise to the fascist movements in Europe. He like dis- At their height, he disbanded the group and told them to all go off because they were all part of high society in their respective countries. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, early 20th century. He told them to all go, go off and do the work in secret, you know, bringing about yeah. the shit. Yeah. Remember the logheads? I remember them. Their asses end up chilling down by Lake Titicaca. Fucking Lake Titicaca. With George Hunt Williamson. Yeah. Also big fans of William Dudley Pelly. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know, that's where the Great White Brotherhood is, is in Lake Titicaca. Yeah, that's one of the myths. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the Roundtable Foundation, where this, the nine shit started, was set up by a, another politician who was on the opposite side from Schwaller Lubitz, interestingly enough, but mm. also a theosophist or a fan at least of theosophical writing, uh, vice president under FDR, Henry Wallace, also secretary of agriculture, who was wow. a very important, very, very important person in American history. He would have been president instead of Harry Truman. So he would have been the guy to drop the nuclear bomb or not drop the nuclear bomb if the Democratic Party hadn't done shady shit and gotten Harry Truman. Yeah. Harry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, into that into that position, um, you know, according to like Oliver Stone and shit, which I don't really trust trust much of what Oliver Stone says, but I also haven't looked very much into that period of history. But he was the dude who, even when he was Secretary of Agriculture, Henry Wallace. Yes, Henry Wallace. He um he came up with the idea of like you know paying farmers to burn their crops to fix the prices during the Great Depression and shit. Like FDR and Henry Wallace, both when he was Secretary of Agriculture and Vice President, they transformed America. That's another one of those things that cannot mm-hmm. be overstated. I think one of the really interesting and I think great tragedies of FDR was that, you know, a lot of people thought he was the Illuminati even back then. They thought he was, you know, a tyrant of technological tyrant of some sort, scared, you know, same way a lot of rural people treat science and data-driven things now. I mean, because it is without emotion, it is kind of terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Served longest, longer than any other president, four terms before he died, right? FDR, like he was king of America and he was a brilliant politician and fucking hard ass and so was Henry Wallace. And they really engineered society in a way that brought us out of the depression and into America as a superpower. But the great tragedy was they thought that they would live forever. And they, because they were the only two guys that could manage this yeah. ex- massive expansion of government. And shit. I think you have to almost believe that you'll live forever in order to do yeah. great things on such a huge scale. Yeah, I think so. You know? Because otherwise, it's like if you feel confined by the limits of human mortality, you're going to be more timid in what you approach. Yeah. But if you feel immortal, you'll take more risks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Henry Wallace, after all this, you know, when he was not vice president anymore, uh, he set up the Roundtable Foundation with Arthur Young and Andre Puhard. Fucking no shit. You're dropping this on me now. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a big old fan of one Alice Bailey. Theosophist and student and collaborator with C.W. Ledbetter. Yep. Andrea Puhart was also a fan of Alice Bailey. Remember when I said that there was a clue in the letters of the that the nine introduced themselves as the first messengers? The first one was M. Yep. Second one was R. Alice Bailey was the one who started using letters for the ascended masters for the for the secret masters. Mm-hmm. 
her master M was a stand-in for Moria. Moria, yeah. yes. I was just thinking that. And her master R was a stand-in for Master Rakosi. Mm. As in the last scion of the house of Rakosi, the Count of Saint Germain. Yeah. He's right fucking here. He's yeah. He's right here. He's been here since the beginning. He's been he's in the room. <laughs> he's, he's right behind you. <laughs> What's up, yeah? <laughs> I hate it. I <laughs> like for for our seasoned listeners, you're you're thinking, whoa. Or you're thinking, yeah, I already knew all this. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa. I'm thinking, whoa. Did you this is why I've been having such a hard time with this. Do you realize how much how painful this shit was? Well, it's because, like, we think that we've wandered out of that territory. Right. And we start looking into other stuff, and then we realize we're still there. Well, we're still in the when room. When we first found out how cohesive and, like, wrong the Ascended Masters philosophy was, it was like, it came out of nowhere. But the formula works. Well, it's not even the formula. It's the fucking same thing. Yeah. Right? Like, they're not even, like, these guys aren't even, they're not even off on the IM path. Like, there's there's with Alice Bailey, right? They're citing the theosophical literature. They're not ashamed of it either. Like, if I was stupider, I would open up AI Dungeon and start talking to Ito more. Yeah. Who we talked to in our AI episode and ask yes. him if he's part of the Nine, and he'd probably fucking say yes. Good experiment to try. And, you know, Buharch was also, he was a mind control master for intelligence agencies. Yes, you wish. Yes, he was. And re three remember the hospital, how my replica said that it, they were doing mind control experiments there? It's got to be reading our search uh, history. It's got to be reading our cookies, dude. It's crazy. It has to be. It has to be. Otherwise, it has to, it otherwise, has to. what the fuck? It has to be. I will not accept any other explanation. Yeah. But Puharch's three specialties, we talked about two of them, were drugs, hypnosis, and electronic instruments. Mm. Let's close out by talking about some of those electronic instruments. Yeah. He set up a corporation, I believe it's called the Intellectron Corporation, that throughout the 60s developed devices he invented. Intellectron, I bet it's pronounced. Yeah. Because that sounds more science-y. Intellectron, yeah. Intellectron? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, many, of these were, many of these devices Puharch invented were to assist the hard of hearing in being able to hear again. That is, ways to bypass the broken ear and get sounds directly into the fucking skull. We talked about this in our Project Camellio episode as well. Yes, we did. One such device was a dental filling that could act as a radio receiver. It could be put into a compound uh, dental filling instead of a metal one. I suppose vibrating the bones in your fucking head with whatever yeah. your friendly hypnotist could broadcast at you. Bobby Horn, the poor fuck who was supposed to succeed Yuri Geller, was told that per the Nine's instructions, he couldn't have any metal on him whatsoever. Not even the fillings in his teeth. Did they pull his teeth out? Well, eventually he agreed to take out the fillings in his teeth. But before he could, he went to bed one night, woke up to find that his fillings had been replaced without him feeling a damn thing overnight replaced with compound fillings. What the fuck? Yep. What the fuck? Yep. I wouldn't put it past him to drug people. Of course. Yeah. He's the dude with the drugs. Yeah. He fucking knocks him out. Yep. Fucking puts a goddamn radio filling in his teeth. Now he's hearing voices. Yeah. Shit. Lyle Watson was a member of Lab 9 before Tom kicked him out for insubordination. Tom, the being. Yes. It's being channeled. Yeah, the, the Nine. Yeah. The Sphinx. Uh, during this Phyllis Schlemmer era. They wanted him to write a book about all this stuff, right? He didn't want to. In fact, Lyle Watson thought uh, he was ready to go. He thought these people, uh, for some reason, were, were despicable. <laughs> I don't like the vibe. Yeah. So 
Lyle Watson was, uh, during all this, he was staying in London. He was originally from South Africa. He had a house in Bermuda, rich fucks. So again, uh, this is 1973 when Watson was being pressured to devote more time and energy to the nine. He got a weird letter from his parents in South Africa, acknowledging that they had received a copy of his will. Weird. He never wrote a will. Really weird. So he called his lawyer in Johannesburg from London, who said that, oh yeah, the, the will was drawn up according to his instructions, the instructions that Lyle Watson had given him over the phone. Yeah. They then mailed the will to his house in Bermuda, where the will had been signed and mailed back to him, and no one suspected any funny business. Lyle Watson had been in London the entire time. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Um, a threat? A fucking weird shit? How'd they do it? That's so bizarre. Yeah, it's like threatening in a really passive, aggressive, creepy way. But it's also like, that's that shit that edges on the paranormal. Yeah. How did you do that? Right. Physis- Forgery. Forgery, but the voices, the having it be at or the Or hypnotism. Home. Who he signed it, didn't even Forging remember. the signature. Fucking forging the voice. Yeah, they might not have even, it might be a real signature, but he doesn't even remember signing it. He might have done it under hypnosis or something. I don't know. Yeah, but the letter came from Bermuda. Like they mailed it to Bermuda. Yeah. It came from Bermuda. The resources that this would take to pull off South Africa, find where his parents and all this shit. I feel like there's like a a network all over around the world at this time of connected but even still, it would have to be coming yeah. from the upper. It would have to be That's ordered crazy. from on high, right? What? Like, yes. Yeah, it would be. Like, which has that, some weird implications. Has weird implications. Also, doesn't make a lot of sense considering this isn't all of what's going on in the world. There are so mm-hmm. many other more important things. Right. It's like, why this? Why is th- why is this? Which being makes given it seem kind attention? of impossible. Which then leads a little bit of creative. Like, is this paranormal in some way? We'll get back to that in a second. Physicist Jack Sarfati, who existed on the fringes of this stuff. Describes how he received a phone call in 1952 at the age of 14 from a mysterious metallic voice that told him he was one of 400 very special people who do very special things in 20 years. Weird. He went on to be a very influential mystic physicist at the Esalen Institute. Could that be an implanted memory? Maybe. Maybe. Possibility. Um, Okay, so here's some other people and groups that are at least one degree or less separated from the nine. Carlos Castaneda, Puharic introduced... Yuri Geller to Carlos Castaneda. Also, big deterrent connection. Human Potential Foundation, mm-hmm. which uh, Claiborne Pell, Senator Claiborne Pell from Rhode Island mentioned in the Psychic Spy series. He was part of that, and he was close friends with Al Gore. Then the other human potential offshoot, Est, emotional mm-hmm. sensitivity training or something, some weird proto-fucking cult. Ira Einhorn, a.k.a. the Unicorn Killer, which we'll talk about in the Puharch series. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of Puharch's best friends. That we get, we got to talk about. Them. He said that Puharch was very interested in creating mythologies in people's heads, realities inside people's heads. Very possible to do. Richard Hoagland, the um, face on Mars dude. Yeah. Institute of Noetic Sciences. Oh, Edgar, Edgar Mitchell found Institute of Noetic Sciences, not Human Potential Foundation. Uh, uh, f- fuck it. Look, everyone we've ever covered, everyone we ever will cover is one degree or less and less separated by time away from goddamn Andre Puharic high on animated mushrooms, hypnotizing a bunch of stolen children and telling them the space people gave them their psychic powers. It's at the fucking heart. And here's the thing. Maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe the space people did give them their psychic powers because so much of the weirdness here seems like actual paranormal, mystical, magical psychic phenomena assisted not caused by the absolute fucking spook show that is american high society yep <laughs> what did we learn what did we learn here i'll tell you what we learned and you heard it here first folks saint germain did jfk 
Yes. Yes. That's if you take away anything. If from you this take episode. away anything from this, St. Germain did JFK. Yeah. Let's do our tarot poll. Or right. let's, let's talk about the tarot. So the nine of wands. Wands, magic, impulse, drive. And in the... Um, Rider Waite Smith. Yes. Yeah. I, I knew it was Waite, but I, w- I was thinking Arthur Edward Waite. And I'm like, that is incorrect. Well, that's him. Yeah. But, but it's, it's Waite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the Rider Waite deck. The Rider Waite Smith. Rider Waite Smith deck. The nine of wands is a guy. He's like a soldier and he's standing with one wand in front of eight other wands that are standing upright. And I imagine him as like, he's weary. He's exhausted. He's at the end of, of a fucking battle. Then the cavalry comes in. Yeah. Save his ass. Yeah. 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 That's that's the nine of wands. The strength to pull through. Yeah. Until the cavalry comes and and does it. I see. I'm getting a very literal reading from this. Mm-hmm. Wands, magicians, intelligence. There you go. Nine of them. Yeah. Also the um, you know the the drive, the impulse that's that drive the the engine driving things is uh is fire, right? This is true. The, the wand element, and like. In my mind, it can't be anything else than this shit fucking with me. Yeah, it's nine. It's it's nine. It's nine. That, that's all there is to it, really. Yeah, and it's that's kind of what the interpretation of the fucking Council of Nine says. All the globe trotting. The set. It's it's the sun Sagittarius globe trotting adventure. You know, it's a fucking Deep nine. Space nine. All right, party people. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, don't be. I'm not sorry. I'm so sorry. I had fun. No, I did too. But it's I, like, I had fun. I God damn, you, dude. you taught me more than I knew for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. To <sighs> our listeners, guys, you could leave us a rating and review, and it would help us out a lot, and we would really love it. We would super appreciate it. Yeah. Just that'd be pretty, five stars. Pretty fucking cool. Be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It helps us get on charts. Yeah. It helps us get discovered by the algorithm. You know. Um, Must feed algorithm. We have to feed the algorithm. Feed spectra. Yeah. Yeah. We're in this thing now. Right. (laughs) Right, right, right. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Love you. Be well. Peace out. Peace. Peace.